0: Hey guys, how you doing? Awesome. Hey, I tell you what. I just want to commend the music team again for the sound that you guys bring to this place. I, you know, I was let's give them a clap, mate. Let's give the music team a clap. They're like awesome. I was just thinking, look, um, it's amazing how we can go have roller coaster weeks and roller coaster days and roller coaster evenings. And um, I had a good day today. We were in Impact Kids this morning. It was a great morning out there. We're working on this thing with our kids. We're wanting our kids to recognize that they can hear from God. So over the last few weeks, we've been, um, we've been doing teaching on it at the end of worship, and we have been um, talking to them about how they can hear from God and just, just um, some basic steps. And so the first week that we did it, um, we, we, we were praying. We believed as a team that we'd have at least five kids that came up. And we had seven kids come up. Who, so we gave everyone an opportunity on the floor to, to um, hear something. We put a leader on stage on the chair. And we, we said to them, that, you know, we want you to hear something from God that God wants to say to this person on the stage. So we had seven come up. And of the seven that came up, there were two that were um, really good, actually. There were two that were, yeah, it's kind of cool. And there, were like, and there were three that were sort of kind of like way out there. But um, that's okay because with kids... They need to learn that, um, and need to understand that they can hear from God. So what, the biggest thing we want to do is see them give it a go. So the week after we had, um, we had I think we had uh, nine the week after, and this morning I think we had 11, was it? 11. So I mean, so we're growing. So that's hey, a great morning impact kids this morning. So, um, and, then, and I've had a great afternoon sort of just getting my notes together for what I want to share tonight. And um, coming to church um, 15 minutes, uh, quarter past five, three quarters of an hour to go, there are two pairs of shoes I could wear to church tonight, two pairs of shoes, and I could not find either of those pairs of shoes. I mean, <laughs> go figure. I could not find either of those pairs of shoes. There, was, there, there were a pair of shoes that I wanted to wear and another, another pair of shoes that were an acceptable second, and I could not find them anywhere. So And so and, and while this was happening, one of our kids had a, had a little bit of an issue, not feeling so well today, and decided to go and throw up in the toilet, not realizing the toilet seat was down, so it was all over the toilet floor. And so um, my wife's tied up there, and I'm trying to find my shoes. And then I finally found the shoes. They were in a bag with a whole lot of Bibles. I mean, go figure. And, and so then we're coming to church, and um, I said to Louise, I need a Coke. And Louise goes, Louise says, um, we don't have time for a Coke. Church is about to start. And I said, well, I need a Coke because I'm feeling a bit tired. Coke will give me a bit of a lift. And so I said, don't worry. It'll be quick. We'll go in there. And so we went into the Celtic service station. And I think I've, I um, stood behind the two slowest sales. In Hastings for this week. I mean, there was like one lady with her change going out in the machine, and then another, another person. And I tell you what, so we uh, apologise, we're here at five past six tonight. And, but I tell you, the sound, getting back to what I was saying, the sound of the music team, it's great that we can come to church. It doesn't matter how our day has been, it doesn't matter what's going on in our day, what's going on in our week. We can come, and with the sound that comes from that music team, we, our music team, we can come in here and we can come into the presence of God. We can open ourselves up to God. And we can allow Him to come. And, and it's almost like, almost, almost like let the Spirit flush through us. Flush through us. You know, we tell our kids, when we come to worship, we, um, we encourage them to open their hearts. We open our hearts and not just sing with our lips, but sing with our hearts. There's, there's an, it allows God and His presence to come in and fill in. And I did this um, thing at Impact Kids once. I had this dirty glass of water with all this mud in it. And I had this big jug. And I started to pour. I said, look what happened. And as we poured, the dirty water started to flow out. And as I kept pouring, in the end, the glass was clean water in the glass. And so when we come into worship in this place, we have the ability when we sing and, and, and come to God, open our heart, the ability to let God come in, flush through us, and any stuff that we may be struggling with, junk in there, God can flush through, and we can go out of this place different every Sunday night. Yeah. Amen? Amen. So anyway, I've got this message to share tonight, and it's, it's, it's like the most difficult message I've ever prepared. And I, I don't know why that is, but it, it comes... Yeah, I just got this overwhelming sense of God speaking to me over the recent weeks. Just the simple message that God is with us. God is with us. So the message I'm I'm going to I'm going to title it tonight: Walking in the reality of God is with us. You know, I heard this story uh, not so long ago about a husband and a wife, and they, they decided that they were going to go on a cruise. And so that's yes, exactly. And they were not very well off as a couple. So they had to save for a couple, it might have been two or three years, they had to save for this cruise. And finally they had enough money to book their cruise. So they booked the cruise and they went on the cruise. But while they were on the cruise they recognised that they didn't have a lot of money and so they were going to, going to basically do this cruise very frugally. So they decided that, that they would um, eat the, the cheapest food. And so they, they, they basically bought, I don't know how they did it, bought food on the boat and took it to their room and ate a lot of the food in their room and because they knew they couldn't afford the meals on the boat. And then what happened was on the last night of the cruise, they decided, well, we've done so well, being frugal the whole time, they decided that we're going to go and eat in the main room with the rest of the guests. And so they went in the main room and they went and they said, we'd like to um, come and eat now. How much is it going to cost us? And she said, sir, it doesn't cost you anything. You, you can eat in here free all the time. was a part of the price of the ticket that you paid for the boat. So, I mean, so there was a, the reality was that husband and wife could go and eat with the rest of the guests and just uh, splash out, pig out, eat all the food they wanted to eat. But they weren't walking in that reality because they, they didn't understand. And so there's a reality that God is with us. It's a reality that we can walk in, but, but also that, that, that we, we could also miss and, and not walk in it. If you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to Numbers chapter 13. Um, And I'm going to just read, I'm going to read, I guess, a condensed reader's style version, and then I'm going to miss a lot of verses as I go through. But I want to just go through it quickly to sort of give you the point, okay? So in Numbers chapter 13, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites, from every ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And so what happened was is that, um, is that the Israelites had come out of Egypt, had gone and been in the desert, and God was now wanting to, them to walk and, and, and into Canaan and take the land of Canaan. So heading on to verse 25, it says that after these 12 went in, it says at the end of 40 days, that these 12, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community. And in verse 27, it says they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. And they went on to say how they saw the descendants of Anak, the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jezebites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, all these horrible people who didn't like the Israelites and wouldn't be too happy sharing their land with them. And verse 30, and, so, and they basically we were, we were I guess, laying out a bad report about this land. And verse 30, then Caleb, who was one of the twelve, he silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of that land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And if we just read into chapter 14, and verse 1, it would say, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And verse 4 it says, And they said to each other, We should choose another leader and go back to Egypt. We can't go into this place. They're too big. They're too strong for us. We need to choose another leader and go back to Egypt. You know, the Israelites, they... When you look at the story, they came out. They came out of um, Egypt. They, they were able to break free of the slavery and the oppression of the Egyptians. They were able to go, and they were able to do that because God was with them. They were able to come to the Red Sea and see the Red Sea's part before them and walk through with a water, a wall of water on either side. And they could do that because God was with them. They went into the desert. In the desert, and in the desert, there, was, um, there were miracles that they saw. Bitter waters being made sweet, um, uh, uh, raining uh, manna and, and quail, uh, meat from heaven. So lots of miracles. They could do all that because God was with them. And, and even when you look at Moses, how Moses was called, um, God appeared to him in the burning bush and said, Moses, I want you to go into uh, Egypt and rescue my people, bring them, deliver them out of that place. And Moses said, I can't do it. And God said, you can do it because I am with you. There's this verse in the Bible in Colossians 2 verse 9. It says, For in Christ the fullness of the deity or the fullness of God lived in bodily form, lived in the human body, and you have been given the fullness of Christ. So, and then one other verse, and I'll come back to that first one. It says in Ephesians 3 15, this is Paul talking, he said, I pray that you, it's us, you and me, I pray that you guys, that me, that you guys would be strengthened with power through God's Spirit, which dwells in our inner being. So, there's two verses. Um, the, first, the first verse is that in the Bible says that in Christ, that the fullness of God, the fullness of who He is, his, the fullness of His goodness, His love, all His personality, every aspect of Him dwelt inside Jesus in the human body. And, that, that, and, and so, Jesus, the fullness of God was in Jesus, and that we have been given the fullness of Jesus. So we carry that. There was not one part, nor one aspect of God that wasn't in Jesus. The fullness was in there. And, and, there, and we're told that the fullness of God dwells within us. That it strengthens us through God's spirit which dwells in our inner being and in the spirit man that lives inside each one of us. So we could say that God is with us. We could say that no matter what the situation, no matter what problem we face in life, no matter what difficulty, no matter what pressure, no, no matter what trial that we go through, that God is with us in those trials. That's the reality. The question is, are we walking in that reality today? It's the reality. God is with us. Are we walking in that reality today? So, if we for writing notes, I've just got, a couple, I've got three points here tonight. My first point would be, is that, God is that God is with me, that phrase, God is with me, is the reality that I can choose to live in or choose not to live in as I deal with every issue of life the reality that we can choose to live in or choose not to live in as we deal with the issues of life. Now, if I had some glasses here today, and just put some, i don't, praise God, I don't need glasses yet. Everyone tells me that because I work in front of computers all day that I should need glasses sometime soon, but I, I resist those words and I praise God that I don't need glasses. But if I had glasses today and I decided to put yellow cellophane over my glasses and I began to look around the room with my glasses with yellow cellophane on, I thought, my goodness, everyone looks yellow. I'll be looking at those chairs that you're sitting on. I thought, man, what lovely yellow chairs that you're sitting on. I'll be looking at Pastor Mike and I think, my goodness, what a lovely pair of yellow pants that Pastor Mike is wearing tonight. And then I'll be thinking, my goodness, he's wearing a yellow shirt as well. And then I'll look around and say, you're all wearing yellow. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to need to go out and buy some yellow clothing because everyone's wearing yellow. That's obviously the in thing at the moment. And so I'd go to the shop, wearing my yellow glasses with my cellophane on. And I think, all oh, the clothes are yellow. This is amazing. And everyone's into yellow at the moment. But because I've got these yellow glasses on. You see, if I had these yellow tinted glasses on, what would happen is, is that as I look through them, everything that I see, everything that comes through my eyesight is, is sort of filtering through the yellow. And so it affects the way that I see things. It affects the way that I interpret what I see. It affects the way even that I respond to what I'm seeing. You know, this whole thing, this reality that God is with us is like a positional life that we take. and be like a, 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 a positional life that we take. And if we stand in that place, it can filter the way that we see life. If we're, having, if we're having stuff, struggles, trials, maybe hard stuff going down in our life, pressure's coming against us, if we're in that place of God is with me, then, it will, it, it, then that stuff coming through, it, it, it will affect the way that we see that stuff. It will affect the way that we see it. It will affect the way that we interpret what's going on. And it will affect the way that we think about it and the way that we choose to respond to it. It's interesting that when you look at the, um, the people who went to the land, there were 12 that went in. The Bible tells us there were two who gave a good report. That was Caleb was one, Joshua was the other, and the other 10 gave a bad report. But all 12 went in. They all saw the same thing. They all saw the same people in there. They all saw the same, the same trees, the same grass, the same cities. They saw the, the, the same goings on. Yet 10 interpreted it one way, 2 interpreted it the other way. They were all wearing sort of, sort of. Uh, they were all sort of living from, 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 uh, from uh, I guess a, a worldview a, a point of looking at stuff. They were all wearing sort of different coloured glasses. Yet Caleb was the one, who he's the one who said, I can, we can go do this. We can go into that land. We can take on these guys. Joshua was with them as well. The other ten said we couldn't. Caleb was looking at life, at the situation from a point of view that God is with me. The other ten weren't. You think why is that? What's going on there? All of those people would have been in Egypt. They would have been in Egypt as slaves. They would have seen God come through with Moses and perform the signs and wonders. And they would have seen God bring them out of there. They're coming out of there carrying the treasures of Egypt. They would have seen the Red Sea part before them. They would have seen God do that. And then they would have seen all the provision in the desert. Caleb, when he looked at the the promised land that God was calling them to go into, he would have looked at that and he would have remembered that stuff. And he thought, if God can do it then, God can do it now. If God God did that stuff for us then, then I know that God is with us. If He's with us then, He's with me now, we can do this. There's nothing that we cannot do when God is with us. The other ten looked at it. What were they thinking? And they were looking at it. And they were thinking they didn't realize that what they'd seen in the past was still relevant for the future. They saw God move in the past And they didn't see that that was relevant in the future or relevant for them at this time. You know, we as people in the house of God, all of us have seen times where God has moved in the past. All of us have seen the God where God has provided for us or provided for people that we know. We've heard testimonies of healings. We've heard testimonies where God has come through in situations that are impossible. And so we have the ability to to take that and recognize, man, if God was with us then, if God was with my brothers, my sisters then, God is with us today. But sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking, well, what happened in the past is not relevant today. God did that once, but he's not doing it anymore. And so we can fall into the same trap of of saying, well, God was kind of with us then. I sort of don't know what's happening anymore. But Caleb chose to be different. He chose to stand in that place and recognize that, that God was with me then. He's with me today. He chose, getting back to my first point, he chose to live in the reality that God is with me. The other 10 didn't. Now, I, I had an example where Louise and I, we were living in Palmerston at the time and we decided to buy our first house. And I, we were quite young and I, I was very conservative um, and uh, I, uh, I, I didn't want to make any sort of wrong financial decisions and I didn't know much about buying houses. And so we decided to buy this house and, um, and I, I was a bit nervous about it and I decided that, God, what's, a, what's the right price for this house? And it was like $103,000. And so it was kind of a cool house. I thought, wow, we really want this house, but $103,000 is our limit. I felt God speak to me. And, um, and so we got there with the real estate agent, and the real estate agent did what they did and said, well, $103, they're not going to accept, but maybe they might accept 106 dollars So I thought, oh, no, oh, no. And, uh, and so um, in the end, we, we signed for $106,000, and it was like $3,000 more than what I thought. I thought we were going to go bankrupt. I thought we were gone. I thought we were financially doomed. I thought, oh no, I've done it. I haven't listened to God and I've done it. So I lost all my peace that night. And that was like the worst sleep I'd ever have, I think. And so I was, thinking, I was freaking out, got up in the morning, thinking I'm going to have to ring this real estate agent, say don't give the contract, I can't do it. And I mean, it was only $3,000. So in reality, it was a small thing. But, but I, I opened my Bible that morning and there's a scripture in Isaiah 41 verse 9 and 10. And it basically says this, and you know how sometimes you read the Bible and the words, they just jump off the page at you? Uh, different people testify to that. If, if, you, if you haven't had that to yourself, what I encourage you to do is every time you've got a problem, you know, begin to pray and begin to ask God to speak to you. And then after you've done that, always read your Bible. Because I, I can almost guarantee that one day that will happen. And it will happen more frequently the more you read your Bible. God loves to speak to us out of his word. But in Isaiah 41, verse 9 and 10, it says... There's a verse, I just flipped open the page, didn't pick Isaiah or anything, and these words were just there. It says, I said you were my servant, I have chosen you, I have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, and that verse... I read it, and my heart, like, jumped out of my chest and went all over the pages. I had to sort of bring it back a bit, but I was, I was so excited, and, and I tell you what, this verse has lived with me. This verse has gone through me in many situations. I remember I came back to Hastings, I went into a very bad job, and the, 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 the company was in financial trouble. I was running, supposed, I was employed to run the company. There was, um, all sorts of, um, dodgy dealing going on, and, uh, and so I thought, oh, this is a terrible thing, and I, I just wanted to crawl into a cave and hide and just, disappear from the situation but this verse was here is that god you were with me god you were strengthening me you were helping me you're upholding me if you righteous right hand and so this verse is something i held up with me so everywhere and there were other times where i've had problems and i had difficulties i remember going into impact kids where i felt intimidated i felt sort of um as though i couldn't do it as though i was incapable and that verse that god you were with me you were with me So what I found is that as I stood, every time and I began to declare, God, you were with me. God, you were helping me. You were strengthening me. You won't let me fall. You won't let me fail. There'll be nothing in in here that can happen to me that you won't permit, that you are are looking out for me. You've got my back. That truth, that reality, what I found is that when I lived there, is that my worst fears were never realized. Generally, my fears were not realized, and, and there were always a good outcome. It's a reality we can live in. It's a reality we can live in. The question is, will we live in that reality? Or will we just sort of, sort of, yeah, I understand that in my head, but my heart and the way that I see, see the situations that I'm facing, I'm not really sort of, my heart's not really on board with my head. So we're sort of not really living it. Second point I just want to make tonight is that when we walk in the reality that God is with us, so when we walk in that reality we can recognize and walk forward to the blessings that God has for us, or that He wants to give us. I'll say that again. When we, when we walk in the reality or live in that reality that God is with us, we're able to recognize and walk forward to the blessings that He has prepared for us. When you think about it, and if, even if I might have the scripture right here actually, it's interesting when, when God spoke to Moses in the burning bush. He said this, the burning bush is there, Moses is saying, what's going on with this bush? And God starts to speak to him, tells him, take your sandals off. I want to talk to you about some stuff. And so says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. God was motivated by concern and compassion for his people. God is always motivated by concern and compassion for his people. He's motivated by concern and compassion for us. He's motivated by concern and compassion for each one of you out there. He said, I'm concerned about their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. And get this, I've come to rescue them and to bring them out of that land into a a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. That land of Canaan that that, that the Israelites were called to walk into was a gift from God. It was a land that was overflowing with goodness. It was overflowing. All their dreams would be realized in this land. It was just what what their hearts and eyes would have wanted. The Bible tells us that when those ten people gave a bad report and all the Israelites grumbled and wanted to go back to Egypt, that God basically brought his hand down on the situation. And that whole generation of people missed out on the blessing. They could not recognize that God was going to bless them. Caleb saw it. He recognized that Joshua did as well. They were the only two of that generation who went into that land. You know, it's interesting because... Um, it's interesting because the that they couldn't recognize, they couldn't see it. They thought... They thought that God had almost a hidden agenda. They were saying, did God bring us out here to die by the sword? Did God bring us out here to kill us? They didn't understand that God's plans for us are good. Caleb understood it. Caleb saw how the way God broke the bondage of Egypt, the way he, he delivered them from the Egyptians at the Red Sea, the way he provided for them in the desert, the way he met their food needs, their water needs. Caleb saw it. There's that Jeremiah a uh, verse in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you. I know the thoughts I have for you. The thoughts for good and not for evil. Thoughts to, to bless you, to give you a hope and a future. See, when we walk in of God, we recognize that everything, that, that He's in control of everything and everything that happens is for our good because He's a God who wants to bless us. He's a God who wants... To, to grant us our heart's desires. The Bible says if we delight ourselves in the Lord, He will give us the desires of our heart. If we put Him first, if we say, God, I'm laying down my life, I want to live for you. I want to put you first in my area, whether it's at school, whether it's at home, whether it's at church, whether it's in our, our work, whether it's in our neighbourhood. God, I'm putting you first. God, I want to be excited about your word. I want to be excited about what you're doing in this place. And you know what happens if we put Him first and do that? That He'll give us the desires of our hearts. Because His plans for us are for our good, that to bless us, that to lift us up to give us hope, to give us, you know, to make us excited. He loves it when we smile. He loves it when we get excited. He gets excited when we're excited. You know, and so the thing about this is Caleb recognized it. He recognized this is what God has given us. He's called us out of Egypt for this place. This is it. This is it, guys. We've sort of been walking around the desert. We've sort of been had to, had to muck around in Egypt while all these plagues and all that came and the Egyptians made us make, make bricks with no, no straw. And It was just like, this is it, guys. God, for all this hardship, this is it. I can see it. I can see the blessing. I recognize it. I recognize that God is with us. He's good. And this is the blessing. The other 10, they didn't see it. They didn't see it. They didn't recognize that God's plans were good. They didn't recognize it. They weren't looking or living the reality that God is with us. To live the reality that God is with us is to recognize that God is in control of everything and that His plans for us are good. His plans for us are the best plans for us. We've got this thing in Impact Kids, and the kids love it, and I get them to repeat it numerous times. This is the saying that God's plans for my life are the best plans for my life. It's the truth and the reality. I just, isn't it amazing how we as people don't always live that sometimes we sometimes we, we just do dumb stuff because it just seems like the best thing for us at the time and we know it's not God's will for us to do it but we do it anyway and we just, we just miss it but if we could live that reality that God's plans are the best plans for my life I mean, how much would that simplify our lives how much would it simplify it yeah. third point tonight last point tonight a key reason for why we need to know that God is with us, a key reason why we need to know, not the only reason, but a key reason, is so that we can stand up in the face of spiritual resistance and overcome it. We need to stand in the face of spiritual resistance and overcome it. You know, spiritual resistance is a funny thing because, I mean, when it comes against us, Generally, we don't even recognize that it's spiritual resistance. We don't recognize it. And and, and if I asked you areas where you're struggling struggling with spiritual resistance, you'd probably, sometimes many of you would struggle to think, well, I don't know that I am. And there's a story about Jesus in in the New Testament. And Jesus, like, he's 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 in a boat with his disciples. And so what the Bible says is that they're in the boat on the water and everything was going good. And all of a sudden, the storm came up. And and if you read the Amplified Version, it says that the storm had winds of hurricane force. And so and then when the waves got big and the waves began to crash into the boat and the boat began to fill with water and then all of a sudden, um, and you can imagine what's happening there actually, so the wind gets up and the disciples are fighting with the boat. They're fighting with the boat and they're trying to get the boat through the waves and, and battle against the wind. And Then when the water comes in, they're, they're fighting to bail the water out of the boat and they're just struggling this way and struggling that way. And then in the end when they think, oh my goodness, we're, we're done for, they decide, let's go and wake Jesus up. Jesus, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care that we're about to perish? And the Bible says that Jesus, he got up straight and he he looked around and he he spoke to the storm. The Bible says that he rebuked the storm and he told the storm to be still and instantly the wind stopped. And what happened was that the sea was calm immediately. And there's a school of thought with that. School of thought is the way that Jesus rebuked the storm suggested that the storm was of demonic origin. Suggested the storm was of demonic origin. So in reality, what was happening is the disciples were facing spiritual resistance and spiritual pressure. And they were dealing with that spiritual resistance and spiritual re- uh, pressure through natural methods. See, often when we face spiritual resistance, it disguises itself and comes in the form of, of natural problems, natural pressures, natural sort of conflicts, um, anxieties, fears, just things happening. And we think it's natural, so we deal try and deal with it in natural measures. But when Jesus woke up, he didn't start bailing water. He didn't take the the, the boat and try and steer it through the waves. He recognized that this is a spiritual problem. We need to deal with this with spiritual measures and spiritual means. And what he got up? He got up and he rebuked it. You know, when we live in the reality of knowing and making decisions from the point of view that God is with us, that's spiritual. It's spiritual, so... When when stuff comes against us, and we we find ourselves, we choose not to react to that stuff, whatever it is. But we choose to have confidence. God, you are with me in this. God, you are helping me in this. You you are going to get me through this. That I won't fail. I won't perish in the situation. God, you are with me. God, I just pray for the situation today that you will do whatever you need to do when when you pray it. It's spiritual. I was in this last couple of weeks. It's sort of been a, a tough couple of weeks for me. And I, said, oh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if we all struggle with this, or if it's me, or whatever. But I seem to go periods of of, of good periods, and then then you know, I just there's, so all of a sudden I go into a bit of a trough, and um, things aren't so good. And so what I found was that there was pressure coming from work. There was pressure coming from, from just, just, just family life. There was pressure coming from ministry. Everywhere I looked, there was pressure. And, and it just it felt like it was so like overwhelming. It felt like that, that I was pressed in on every side. There was like no escape from it. How do I get out of this thing? So I was making decisions. I was starting to think, like, what do I need to do here? I oh, know, I'll sleep more. I'm very tired. so I'll go to bed earlier. Then, oh no, I need to go to work earlier to get my work done a bit better. And then, oh, actually, I, I should start pulling out of this. Maybe I could let go of that. And so what it was, and then I recognised something. See, I had a lot of natural problems going on there. There's a lot of stuff going on in the natural. So I was starting to put things in place in the natural. I was starting to use natural methods, natural means. And often the one we, we like to use first is, I know, I'll just pull out of this and I'll pull out of that. And so, and so what happened for me is all of a sudden I realised, man, normally my life consists of this. I get up in the morning... And I like to pray in the morning, I go for a run, and go to work. But with everything that was going on, I recognised that, my goodness, in the last five days, I've only done that once. I didn't, my, my, my prayer times had been sort of robbed away from me, and, I, and they were done. And, and, and then I've only done that once. And I mean, I was still talking to God through the day, but I just wasn't connecting with him the way that I was used to. There's so, you no know, purpose. Oh, I want to go in. And I want to start praying. So I started to pray and spend a, spend a time just praying in tongues letting my spirit man rise up again. And do you know what happened? One by one, those pressures started to retreat, fall off, fall away. All of a sudden, actually, I think I'm dealing with a spiritual problem here. Spiritual pressure, not natural pressure. I've, oh my God. You know, and so, so I started, I, thought, I feel different already. Just by praying, I feel different already. Next morning, it was all back again, so I had to do the same thing again. And, and, and I'm still contending with it, and I still haven't, I still haven't quite kicked it on the butt yet. But I'm still standing there, and I'm still swinging. You know, when sometimes we need to stand there, we need to swing. We need to recognize that God is with us. No matter what pressure we're facing, God is with us. It's spiritual to stand on that spot and wrap that around our lives. Just to finish now, I want to just, how do we do that? So how do we do those things? I just want to throw a couple of things out there. Three quick quick things. One is we need to recognize what does it mean that God is with us? What does that mean? I'll just throw a few of these down and I'll just throw them out there rapid fire. So just bear with me. But they're all based on scriptures in, in the word. I won't read the scriptures out. But it means that his eyes are upon us, his ears are attentive to us. That's Psalm 34. And the Bible says, his eyes are upon the righteous, his ear is attentive to their cry. That means when God is with me, it means that I know that God is watching me. I know that God sees my troubles, and then when I talk to him, I know that he can hear me. That's not a promise to me, it's a promise for each one of us here. His eyes are upon me, his ears are attentive to me. He will never leave me, nor forsake me. So no matter what I'm going through, God's there with me. That's what it means, God is with us, he's there with me. It means that he will strengthen us. He will strengthen us. So it means that if we're feeling overcome, overwhelmed, we feel like we can't handle this, then as we draw it into that place that God is with us and become aware of it and begin to confess it, begin to speak it, begin to thank God for it, there's a strengthening that takes place inside of us. And the pressure that we're facing, the problems that we're facing, they begin to diminish as we get stronger. It means that He's working on our behalf. He's fighting on our behalf. You know, the, 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 as the, the new generations of Israelites that went into there, uh, Moses gave them the statement when he was about to um, go die and go to heaven. He basically said when those armies come against you that are stronger than you, don't worry about it. Don't fear, because God is with you and He will go and fight on your behalf. God will fight on our behalf in our situations. We can be confident. We can be confident that when stuff comes against us, that as we pray and as we believe and as we stay in that place of God, you are with me, you are good, your plans for me are good, you want to bless me, you won't let me fail. God is actively fighting on our behalf. He sends angels in. He sends angels in to, to um, contend for the things that are coming against us. Gotta believe that. And It means that he will, this other one, I thought this was pretty cool, that that he will go into our future and make room for us. He will go into our future and make room for us. Ultimately, God is in control. He sees all, he knows all, and he wants the best for us. That's what it means that God is with us. If it's a truth, if our truths, that you can embrace in your heart, and you. Not, not just things that sort of go in your head and your heart saying something else. If you can embrace those in your heart, then you're beginning to stand in that place of God is with me. That means that when stuff comes against you, there's just there's um you have an ability, you have a capacity within you to be able to stand against that stuff with confidence, with strength in your spirit, and and overcome the stuff that's trying to overcome you. You have the the, the ability to be victorious in God. The other two things of how we do this is we need to imagine it. We need to see our situations, our difficult situations, in our place of prayer, when we're praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, in our quiet place. We need to begin to see those things and then begin to see God in that situation. Look at what God's doing in that situation. See God actively working on our behalf. See His angels coming in and dealing with the stuff that's trying to deal with us. As we, as we do that in our imagination, faith begins to ignite in our heart. It means that as, as we pray, our prayers begin to be laden and, and, and pregnant with faith. And we know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. That when we pray um, with faith, we know that God hears our prayers and God will act on our behalf. So as we use our imagination, there's is is a direct link between imagination and, and building faith in our lives. And the last thing I, I just mentioned before was confessing it. When there's the promises of God that we need to stay in that place. See, like my example before, I, I, I realized, man, I, I'm dealing with a spiritual problem with natural methods. I got back in that place, almost like getting up on a box and began to pray in tongues and deal with it again with spiritual means, spiritual methods. And the next morning, I woke up, I felt like I'd been jolted off that box again. I needed to get back up in that box and begin to confess the truth, confess the reality of that. And as we do that time and time again, then we can position ourselves and live and walk in that reality of God being with us. Now tonight as I finish... When I should, I'll get you everyone to close your eyes. If you close your eyes, that'd be great. Because, you know, I mean, I could say stuff, but what I really need now is for God to be speaking to our hearts. That God to be speaking to our hearts. Where are you tonight, is the question I've got for you. Where are you tonight? We all have things and difficulties and, and, and issues that, that we're contending for and, 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 and promises that we're trying to lay hold of and believe for and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Where are you tonight? How are you looking at your situation? What coloured glasses are you wearing? Are you looking at your situation from the reality and the knowledge? Are, are, are you living that with your heart, that God is with you? God is with you in the situation. Are you in that place of faith? Maybe you're here tonight, and you're actually not walking with the Lord. You're not walking with Jesus. You've never made that decision. Say, God, I want to walk with you. Maybe you're here tonight, and you're not a Christian. I mean, it's pretty hard to say God is with me when you're not walking with him. You know, to, to make a decision, to make a decision to walk with God, say, God, I want to walk with you. I want to give my life to you. It's an easy decision. It's an easy decision. It's just a matter of saying yes to God. Saying, yes, God, I want to do that. I want to give you the opportunity to make that decision now. Say yes to God. God, I want to give my life to you. So if you're here tonight, and you don't know the Lord you're not walking with the Lord I would love you to raise your hand right now just so I can see that so I can pray with you I'd love you to raise your hand right now it's a quick decision quick decision the life without without Jesus in it is hard we get battered up there's difficulties there's problems that we could easily deal with when we've got him on our side and we've got him in our side. It's just a question of saying, "Yes, God, I want you there." So, last chance tonight. Is there anyone here who would love to make that decision tonight? Just raise your hand. I just want to give opportunity for others in the building. You know, sometimes we come into church and we hear a message like this, and what happens as we hear it? God speaks to our heart, and we recognize that even when we thought we started off so well, we've actually gone off course a of bit, and we find ourselves dealing with problems and difficulties and our own strength and our own ability with natural means, natural methods. And we've shifted from that truth and that reality that God is with you and you're not resting in that place. So what I'd love, I'd love everyone to stand now as we sing this last song. If everyone could just stand please, that would be great. Get you to stand, in your, stand at your seats. If that's you tonight, we're going to open up the altar now and I'm going to invite you to come up the front as we sing the song I'm going to invite you to come up and, and I'd love to pray for you if, if there's too many then we'll get a few other leaders to pray as well but I'd love to pray for you tonight what we're going to do we're going to sing the song now and if that's you tonight if you recognise well God I recognise now that I need to make a shift in my life I recognise this stuff I've been dealing with and I've been going about it the wrong way tonight I'm going to come and I'm going to stand in that place and acknowledge that you were with me, and I'm going to turn these situations and hand them over to you and ask you to help me in them. If that's you, I want you to come forward tonight. As we, as we flow into the song, I want you to come forward tonight. Let's just worship God together now as they finish. So let's worship Him. He deserves that place of our worship, He deserves that first place. Let's give it to Him.